You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, and everyone here at Radio Maria Canada. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. Today's show has been taped, uh, so no opportunity for calling in, but uh, please do keep up with uh, what's going on here at the Health Hub guests information, show information, and other important and interesting things we like to show on our social media sites by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. Our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca if you'd like to get a hold of us through that way. And we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find all of our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. I have the opportunity to give you a preamble to uh, the show because it has been taped. So I know firsthand the quality and wonderful conversation um, that I was able to have with Don Goey. A really interesting perspective on how to manage stress, fear, anxiety, how his approach helps to rewire brain, our brain and our brain function. And just really, you know, for, for a lot of us, for me in particular, I found it a very interesting way to, to look at emotions. And I think that you will really enjoy his conversation or our conversation. And, and I really do hope that you come away with strategies and maybe a little bit of an understanding how you can deal with emotions that may be not a positive light in your life. Don Joseph Goey is the executive director of the Nonprofit Center for Spiritual Exchange, the official archive for all the works of Anthony DeMello, and the author of the Amazon bestseller, The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain. Don spent six years directing a think tank aimed at integrating breakthroughs in neuroscience and psychology. From this work, he innovated a model for change, changing brain structure to extinguish stress reactions and amplify the higher brain function that enables a human being to flourish. The success of the model in helping people end stress in high-pressure workplaces like Cisco Systems and Wells Fargo has been unprecedented. Previously, Don directed a human performance firm that consulted with Fortune 100 companies to alleviate employee stress and elevate people's experience of work and life. He also managed the Department of Psychiatry at Stanford University Medical School and headed an institute 
that pioneered a psychospiritual approach to overcoming catastrophic life events in, and which in 2005 was awarded the Excellence in Medicine Medal by the American Medical Association. Very interesting conversation, as I mentioned, very forward thinking. And I really do hope that for people who are dealing with anxiety, stress, and are looking for maybe a different approach, that this might be of help. We talk about a lot of things, uh, why we need to embrace our emotions to help us get through them, how our response to stress and fear physiologically wire our brains, and why true change comes from acceptance. A great conversation is mentioned. I do hope you stay tuned with us. We'll be back in just a few minutes to talk to Don Goey. Still my soul, the Lord is on thy side Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain Leave to thy God to order and provide In every change he faithful will Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the Thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds to know his voice who. Yeah. 
Are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, today's show has been recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. As a reminder, we'd love for you to follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all locations. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time today to join us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Kathy. You know, you've been in the industry of stress for quite a while now. Uh, I'm interested to know before we actually get into the book and your your ideologies, if you have changed throughout those years, if your focus has changed, if your you know understanding of the brain has changed as you've worked with people on trying to minimize stress and 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 all the other things that you do. Yeah. It's- Yes, uh, dramatically, um, especially with regard to myself, working with myself. You know, this field that, that I'm in, actually that we're both in, is called uh, psychospirituality. It's, uh, we're at a meeting place, finally, where medicine, in particular neuroscience, um, psychology, and spirituality have all come together, um, and they're on the same page. Uh, you know, what creates health is, uh, is positive relationships. What creates a great brain f- function is living from practical spiritual principles. And I came into all of that the hard way. Um, I came to this work um, through, through uh, what I call my perfect storm of stress. You know, I had I'd lost an executive level position at Stanford University Medical Center that I had devoted a decade climbing a career ladder to reach. And nine days after that, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor that the doctors warned would leave me 
seriously disabled and maybe potentially unable to work again. And, and at that time, I was married with four children. And my marriage was in trouble because I had my my focus was primarily on climbing that career ladder, you know, working long hours. Um, and so suddenly, you know, I, I don't have a job and I got a brain tumor in my head and see my life was coming apart at the seams and that there was nothing I could do to stop the catastrophe that was coming. And I had to wait six weeks for the surgery, for the brain surgery. And at first I, I, I was delighted because I was in no hurry to, you know, have my head drilled into, but I soon discovered that the first two weeks were really going to be rough because I was ruminating so much, you know, it was, it was really emotionally painful, the state I was in. Every night I would wake up at three in the morning and I would stare out the window into the cold, dark night, absolutely terrified of what, what might happen to me and my family. Um, from what I could see, we were headed for homelessness. And then one night during this two-week uh, nightmare, <laughs> I, uh, I reached a point where I seriously questioned what was worse the dire problems that the doctors predicted that might happen in the future or the abject fear that was happening in me every day, you know, all day long for the last two weeks. And uh, the answer was, was painfully clear to me that the fear was worse. You know, it was bone chilling, the bone chilling fear I experienced. It was really consuming me and it was depleting my strength. I could really feel that it was depleting the strength that I needed to get through whatever I had to get through. So for the next half hour, I used a process that we're going to be talking about here today that I, I had learned, but had never really used much um, that involved really diligently being aware of every fearful, painful thing I thought, and to be willing to feel and observe um, the emotions that these thoughts were driving the emotional reactions they were causing in me because I was believing them, um, and and to and to begin to relate to them is not necessarily in reality, but much more as in me, and and to my amazement as I did that, what I saw was that when I embraced the pain, you know, when I brought into to awareness the way I was was creating it, it passed. This, this nightmarish um, experience that I was generating within myself passed. And I experienced this wonderful relief each time I let myself experience that mental negativity. Uh, it dropped from its own weight. And the more I practiced over that, I think it was about an hour and a half, the calmer I became until after, after a time, my mental state had completely shifted from this state of relief to really this expanding feeling of peace that really seemed to encourage optimism in me. And, you know, as a whole, which I could see what it did, you know, I think it was the first time I saw what a difference attitude makes. And this time when I looked out the window, I actually didn't see the cold, dark night of oblivion. What I saw was the stillness of moonlight shining on the trees that had always been there um, that made them, night look almost sacred. Uh, I wasn't seeing that before. And I wasn't feeling anything sacred before. So uh, I wasn't feeling God, divinity, or anything that could really help me, and especially love. 
So I made the decision right then and there as I looked out that window that I was going to work at letting go of fear and stress in this way whenever it raised its ugly heads as I faced whatever I had to face that day. And every time I did that, it delivered me to peace. You know, I, I certainly um, during that period of time before surgery, um, I, I, I didn't succumb to fear at all. I certainly had fearful thoughts, but I shifted out of them by by bringing them into awareness, by allowing them, by not repressing them, by embracing them. Um, and it was peace that made everything easier. And it allowed me to tap that creative power to visualize the outcome I wanted instead of oppressing myself with the picture fear painted. Um, and it turned out the surgery was a complete success. It actually made medical medical history. They presented my case uh, at Stanford Grand Rounds at and it, it spared me a life of disability. Um, and I was actually offered another leadership position in the medical school. The chairman of the Department of uh, Psychiatry had heard about this guy who was facing all this adversity and was facing it with a positive attitude. And he said, I need to get that kind of attitude on our team because nobody around here has a good attitude at all. So, you know, it was clear to me that none of this would have happened if I had not shifted my mindset in this way. And if, you know, neuroscience back then, what they thought of the mind-body connection, they thought it was like hippie nonsense. Mm -hmm. But if they knew what they know today, those guys, they would have told me that my shift in attitude over those four weeks had literally rewired my brain to quiet fear reactions, which in turn established that mind-body connection. It gave me the best chance for a positive uh, medical outcome. And I've eventually left the university to start a whole new career, one more aligned with the, my change of heart. I became the director of an institute that pioneered a psycho-spiritual approach to overcoming catastrophic life events. It was called the Center for Attitudinal Heal Healing, and it was founded by the famous psychiatrist, Jerry Jumpolsky. He He's the father of a school of psychology based on attitude. He wrote the book, Love is Letting Go of Fear, that was an international bestseller. And that agency worked with some of the most stressful situations people face. We worked with life-threatening situations like AIDS and cancer, ALS. Um, we ran grief groups with parents who had lost children, probably the, the most difficult thing a human being goes through. We worked in prisons with men serving life sentences. And even the Clinton administration, the, the U.S. State Department during that time sent us to refugee camps in Croatia and Bosnia to help re refugees um, deal with severe post-traumatic stress that they suffered from that gen genocidal war. Um, and the center eventually uh, was awarded the Excellence in the Medicine Award from the American Medical Association. So that brain tumor launched me. You know, some, sometimes what we think is a curse turns out to be the greatest blessing in our life. And that certainly was the case for me. When I was diagnosed uh, with cancer, I, I too, it, when you said two weeks, it was literally two weeks for me too. Um, and I don't think I had probably the as, as much brain power as you did. Mine was more like, you know, I got to the, I was fearful. I was upset. I was angry. And then I got to the point where my, my mindset was, this is just not doing me any good. Um, and, you know, I think when we're in fear like that, 
you got two ways to go, right? You either succumb to it or you come out swinging. But the way you're approaching it, is it a reconciling of this fear? Are you trying to talk it down or are you talking about just letting the fear flow through us? Is it a judgmental thing? Are we saying, you know, you're wrong? Why are you fearing this? How is it? No, it's the opposite of that, you know. Um, the, the idea of coming out swinging for me is coming out loving, loving the way it is, you know, loving, loving myself in the middle of, of the situation, uh, giving myself compassion when, when, when I, I need to. It's recognition that the way we've been programmed by society, you know, f- from starting with our parents, moving into our religion, moving into to the when we enter the work so it's, you know we're really programmed to upset ourselves to stress ourselves when life doesn't go the way uh our programming demands it should you know in terms of how the world should be who we should be what we should want um the it's recognizing that and um you know anthony DeMello, that's who we're here to talk about um you know he was he was a um he was a really important spiritual influence in the second half of the 20th century, influenced people like Eckhart Tolle, um, major influencer for Eckhart Tolle, Aijisante. And, you know, Anthony Miller said he would ask, he was asked all the time, what do I need to do to change myself? So like, you know, in relation to the question you asked, what do, do I need to shift this to something else? And, DeMello said, in terms of changing yourself, I got a big surprise for you. He says, you don't have to do anything. The trouble with most people is that they're busy trying to fix something in themselves that they don't really understand. That was definitely the case with me. You know, I, I would beat myself up during that two-week period for, for being in so much fear. Um, and it took discovering that embracing it is how I moved through it. You know, it's enough for us to simply be watchful and aware and through awareness, all that is false and neurotic and fear-based and shame-based within us drops. And in, a, in a, a few short weeks, you know, like you and I both experience, the quality of our experience changes. We're responding to the situation differently. We're much more alive. Our eyes reopen to the truth that people everywhere are searching for. Um, in the midst of everything they're going through, which is namely the fountainhead of peace and joy that hides in every human heart. That's always there. You know, as we look at the way that we've been put together and the way we function, we find inside our brain, there's this whole program wired in there, society stamped into it, um, a set of demands, you know, those demands I was talking about that are imperiously insisting that these demands be met by life, by other people, by you, by circumstances. And if demands are met, you know, the brain quiets down a little bit, allows you to feel some relief, some uh, elation, maybe some self-satisfaction, but it's really short-lived. If you if if they're not met, however, even though it's not your any fault of yours, your brain generates all this negative emotions that cause you to suffer. In fact, really, when you look at it, even when it, it, your demands are met, the relief that you experience is really just a relief from the negative emotions that, that, that are going on, that you're going in and out of all the time. So in short, 
it, awareness is, is coming into awareness that you've been trained to upset yourself. Um, you know, when other people don't live up to, to your brain's expectations, to your programming's expectation, it's going to torment you with frustration and anger and bitterness. When things are not under your control or the future is uncertain like it was happening to you and me, you, you're, you're, the way you're wired is going to insist that you experience anxiety and tension and worry. And then you're going to expend a whole lot of energy coping with these negative emotions by expending even more energy trying to rearrange the world around you so that the demands of your programming will be met. And uh, it's, it's endless, you know, and, and as soon as you get past it, it recycles all over again. It becomes a way of life. And it's it a does. Yes, and it's pathetic. It's a pathetic existence. But, you, you know, know, too, like, Don, even, you know, when I was, uh, you know, had my, when I was going through my period when I was diagnosed, you know, even the fear, okay, to me, I faced it. I realized it was something that wasn't moving me forward, but still I probably didn't face it correctly because I think a lot of us have the understanding or the belief that fear is a weakness. And that's how I kind of, well, I can't, that's just another weakness. Somehow I got sick and now I'm fearful. I got to get rid of one of these things and it's got to be fear because that's just another weakness. But is it a weakness? It's a, it's a it's an illusion. It's an illusion. And so in that in that respect, it it, it it you know it weakens you. It definitely weakens you. You know one of the things that fear does within your brain is that it it causes the brain, the fear center of the brain, which is called the amygdala, to to d- start dumping stress hormones into your system. And what those stress hormones do is they they amp you up. Um, they they get you, they make you see a threatening world. You know, you put you on in survival mode, put you on alert, and um, you begin to misperceive things. You begin to lose your clarity. There's no clarity with fear, um, and what it what it does to to your brain is that uh, stress hormones. Um, what they do is that they shrink the higher order brain networks that make you intelligent that allow you to think creatively, that, that enable you to be, to, to function from positive emotions. And they, and they expand the regions of your brain uh, that make you more fearful, that make you more negative, that make you feel more threatened. Uh, you know, so you, that it's called fear conditioning. And so what happens to you is you get locked into it. And so it used to be the belief of neuroscience that you, you know, if, if that's the way you got wired, if you if you bought society's program, or and and the world has traumatized you in some way, that's going to be your lot in life. You're going to live a fearful, stressful life. But in the last 25 years, neuroscience has discovered that that's not the case. That the the brain's malleable. You can reprogram it. You can rewire it. And and so the question becomes: Is well, how do you rewire it? It's called neuroplasticity. And what neuroplasticity means is that. A change in your experience changes your brain, which then begs the question, what changes your experience? Well, attitude. Attitude is what ter- determines your experience. You know, one person can look at reality and have, have a positive re- uh, 
a relationship with what's happening and not experience any stress at all, whereas another person has a has a stressful, fearful attitude, and you know they're they're going they're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. So how do you um, how do you, how do you bring yourself into a happier, more positive state of mind? Well, the first thing to recognize is that you're at peace already. You're happy already. You're in a state of love already because that's your nature. You just don't know it. Um, And so it's not a question of you need to seek for peace and love and happiness. What you need to seek for is what blocks it. And that becomes a matter of awareness. What you are aware of, you control. Uh, uh, And especially true with fear. And what you're unaware of controls you. So it's enough for you to simply be watchful and aware as you are suffering in whatever way you're suffering, suffering from fear, suffering from shame, suffering from regret, suffering from self-condemnation. It's enough for you to be aware. And through that, all that is neurotic within you, all that is habitually fearful within you will begin to drop and you'll begin to wake up to this reality of love and peace and happiness that's already resident within you. Awareness allows you to see and feel what's going on inside you that sabotages that happiness, the negativity, the upsets, the pessimism, the aggression, the competitiveness, the shame, the worthlessness, the feeling not good enough. As you make um, these unconscious patterns conscious, they begin to dissolve. I mean, all of psychotherapy is based on that. And so the question becomes, well, how how do you become aware? Is there a specific way of doing it? And and Anthony DeMello um, defines a very simple approach that that worked very effectively. So the first thing you need to do, as as I've said, is to get in touch with those negative feelings, those fears, whatever they are, that you that you're usually not aware of, or that you tend to push away or repress. I mean, who wants to feel those things? But you've got to. If you if if you want to uh, if you want to get past them, you have to move through them. You can't go around them. Now, are you know, these? Uh, can I just jump in? Are these fears? Now, can we? Maybe we should leave this to the second segment here because I think this is a an involved question. The therapies, maybe that's what we'll do, Don. What I want to sort of ask you or what I do want to ask you is, are we talking about fears that are popping up? Uh, so you have a brain tumor and this is a sudden fear and these, this pattern you can work on actively to change. Will these steps that we're going to talk about also work in patterns of fear that we have been living with for a long, long time? And And I think where the beautiful sunshine is right here for a lot of people is you are bringing sort of the ethereal psychology part into the actual functioning of the brain and the actual changing of the brain. So we're not just talking about, you know, attitude as an emotion. You're actually talking about how attitude physiologically changes the brain. We're just going to take a quick break here and come right back and continue with this fascinating discussion. Uh, Stick with us, everybody. Yeah. 
Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Don, let's continue on that conversation we were having. Do you, let's step back a sec here. The title of your book is The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain, which to me intimates uh, changing a pattern of thought, changing a pattern uh, physiologically as well. Now, can we talk about changing and acceptance and things like that from a historical point of view, or are we talking about dealing with things as they come up, or can we do both? Yeah, we can do both. You know, it's it's a it's a matter of waking up um, and waking up is, is a profound experience. Uh, we're surrounded by well-being. We're surrounded by a divinity, a loving divinity. It's in us and around us. Uh, but 
because of the way we've been programmed by society, uh, what we're doing is we're, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. We're looking for it in, in external to ourselves. And the result is that it's really hard to find a completely happy person. Uh, the data shows only 4% of the population can say that they're completely happy. And the irony is we were born happy. We were born free, but have become trapped in limited neurotic thinking. We were born with an open heart that stress and fear so easily closes. We were born gifted, uh, beings of immeasurable worth, but we often feel we're not good enough. Um, and it's all in contrast to this divinity of joy that's within us and surrounding us that if we would wake up to, it would make our lives meaningful and beautiful and rich, but we become blocked from seeing it. And it's not our fault. You know, society stamped it into us. They stamped into us the belief that happiness and self-worth are found out there in the world. And if we work long and hard enough, success will come. And out of that, happiness and fulfillment will follow. And, you know, we've all swallowed that. And then a few years into that, we realize that success has come to whatever degree it has, but without fulfillment without happiness. And that's, that's failing at living. So waking up is a realization that contrary to what society has taught you, nothing but absolutely nothing of the world can make you happy, can make you feel fulfilled. Success certainly is important, of course, but success is not the same as fulfillment. Fulfillment doesn't come from the world. Happiness doesn't come from the world. Not the radiant happiness of a child that's constant, you know, that makes you smile for no reason. That state is within you and it's blocked. And so then the question becomes, what do I do to unblock it? Um, what do I do? You know, you begin to understand and admit to yourself, by God, you know, this is what I went through during my brain tumor. I've been fearful my whole life. I've been anxious about everything. I've been anxious about a, a bills when they show up at my house. I get, I get, I would get anxious if somebody I said hello to didn't say hello back. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, as I said, it becomes a way of life. It gets wired into your brain. It's not your fault. I mean, who would have wired their brain that way? You just got wired that way. And so what do you got to do about it? You got to get deprogrammed. And how do you get deprogrammed? How do you rewire your brain? Awareness. There's no other way. And what you are aware of, as I said before, you'll begin to control, including your, your neurosis, your fears. What you are unaware of will continue to control you. So the first step is that you need uh, to get in touch with those fears, with those negative feelings um, that you're usually not aware of. Um, you know, hurt feelings, feeling nervous and tense, worrying about what other people are thinking about you. Or maybe you wake up every morning kind of gloomy and moody, get in touch with it. Or you feel shame. Maybe you even feel self-hatred. You never feel good enough. Get in touch with it. Or you feel life is pointless, you know, and that, that you're inadequate. That, you know, there's something missing in you. Otherwise, you would, wouldn't be afraid. Otherwise, you wouldn't be anxious, wouldn't be neurotic. Get in touch with those feelings first. Observe the thoughts that you're thinking that produce the upset you're feeling, leading to this narrowing of your perspective that turns into that attitude that disempowers you completely. So get in touch with that. But at the same time, step back from it as if you're watching someone else suffering like this. While all the while, while you're allowing yourself to feel the upset and in the beginning, for some people, it may be um, something like 
a willingness to not be afraid of being afraid or not be not uh, be ashamed of feeling ashamed, something like that. You know, it takes a certain amount of courage to step into this. But if what it is you want is is that beauty that you were born to live within, you need you need to step into it. You need to step into all the ways in which it's blocked. It will emerge all by itself if you do. And then the second step is to acknowledge that this negative feeling is in you. It's wired in you. It's not in reality. Reality is neutral. Reality is fine. Um, so it's the understanding that what I am going through right now, it's not happening to me. It's happening in me. And ultimately, you begin to see it's actually happening for me to wake me up. And then the third step is don't identify with that negative feeling. That is not you. Don't judge it and don't judge yourself for having it. Having it. If you do judge yourself for, for, for having it, if you start getting self-condemning or irritated with yourself, just begin to process that. Bring that reaction into awareness. But be clear. Your upsets have nothing to do with your true self with what's already with the real you, you know, you can don't say like, I am depressed. Your brain believes that. And so it's going to evoke what, what, what relates to that term. I am depressed. You're going to start feeling depressed or my experience is depression. That's something you can say that won't activate your brain. Depression is there. That's fine. That's all you need to say. Uh, fear is there, but not I'm afraid. You're defining yourself in terms of that feeling. That's your illusion. That's your mistake. That's what's keeping you trapped in it. Uh, in no way does that feeling affect your essential self. You can think of it like if you throw paint up into black paint up into the air, does the air become black? And no, it comes right back down to the ground. You never color the air black. So no matter what happens to you emotionally, you remain uncontaminated. Uh, there, there is a part of you that's called awareness that is watching all of this, but completely unaffected by, by the emotional reaction that's happening. So again, if there is depression there right now, if there's worry there right now, let it be, leave it alone and tell yourself it will pass. Everything passes on this planet, including our lives, you know, but especially emotion, emotion passes pretty quickly. So observe the negativity non-judgmentally without condemning yourself for it. Uh, it's not your fault. Understand that society pro programmed it into you. And, and then remember that everything passes. And when it passes, you may not even notice it. You know what? I uh, The other day I woke up in the morning sort of gloomy and I brought it into awareness. And maybe 10 seconds later, it was gone. I didn't even notice. You know, whereas before I, I would have indulged it and, and, you know, it would have be, it would have turned into my attitude and it would have contam contaminated my emotional state for that day. So when it does pass, re re relax into it, relax into the open space that that will happen within you, you know, as it passes that you're free. So relax into that feeling of freedom. Let your mind be quiet. Observe the, the peace that arises in you all by itself. Um, observe the dignity that arises in you all by itself. Observe the happiness, the glimmer of happiness that you'll feel tingling in your heart. 
that's fulfillment. And it doesn't come from outside you. It doesn't come from anything you do or don't do. It's your natural state that the way that the that your program has blocked. And you do this for two weeks. I guarantee you, you'll begin to see things very differently. Uh, get started and you'll quickly see the results. You know, in, a, in two weeks, like you and I both are testified to a little earlier, the quality of your experience changes. You're different. You're responding to life situations differently. You're more alive. Your eyes reopen to the truth people everywhere are searching for, that, that fountainhead of peace and joy I was talking about that hides within every human heart. You know, one of the things Jesus Christ told all of us is that you're, the kingdom of heaven is everywhere. You're already in it, although unsuspectingly. So, the, you know, the upset will still keep coming. When you know, it gets wired into your brain, your brain doesn't, um, doesn't lose completely, but it's less. So that when that depression, that fear, that upset, that worry comes on inside of you, you bring it into awareness, you pro- process this way, and you shift out of it. And it eventually reaches the point that, that when, when fear raises its ugly head, you actually have the capacity to shift out of it that very moment, you know, at that point of inception. And that, by definition, is enlightenment. And I've not known a single person who gave time to being aware in this way who didn't quickly see that kind of difference. So you're not judging these emotions, right? No. You're, you're experiencing them. You're letting them come up. You're seeing the thoughts you're thinking that are generating them. You're, letting, you're not trying to change them. You're not trying to turn them into anything else. You're not chasing them away. Um, you're, you're letting them be. You're not interfering. Don't interfere with anything. Just watch, observe. And as you watch and observe, intuitively, you'll begin to see what they're about, why they're there, where they came from. So it's not an active process. We're just being still. And so when fear comes over us, we just go to stillness. We don't go to judgment. We don't try and ration it away. We experience it. We experience it. And you may not, and you probably won't be experiencing it in stillness. There'll be a great deal of commotion. You are getting in touch with the the chaos and pain and suffering that you that is functioning in you all the time and has been functioning in you for for years and that you've been battling against to change with very with very little effect and so what what you meet your upsets with is with awareness it's a willingness to feel what's going on in there what you are feeling are the ways in which you're blocked and so, so this could I, be a painful process at the yeah. at the outset well, what, what, absolutely. What you're, what you're allowing, in, what you're embracing is the pain you're in. And you're embracing the pain you're in based on, initially, based on the theory that um, as I do that, the, the pain will subside. So, so you, Don, I, the ultimate here is not to avoid. The ultimate here is to be able to handle. And once we can handle. No, no not, not handle. Not handle. Not handled because handle is you interfering, right? So what what you are doing is you, you're simply bringing into awareness the pain you're already in. Most of us push it away. You know, most of us who, who wants to feel pain, who wants to feel fear, or um, if we're not pushing it away, we're indulging it, we're ruminating. 
Um, we're scaring ourselves in even more. We're painting ourselves into a tight corner of fear. And, and then what happens to our perspective as we look out from that tight corner? What we see is a threatening world and we believe it's real. That's suffering. And so how is it that you collapse all that illusion that's running your life or at least running your experience of life? And the answer is awareness. You, you allow yourself to be aware of it. You don't try to change it. You don't interfere with it. You let it come up. You sit in the middle of it. And as you sit in the middle of it, you own it. You go, this is, it. This, this is happening to me. We blame it on reality. You know, this person is to blame for the why I'm upset. Or, you know, if I was planning a picnic and it rained, the rain's to blame for the reason that I'm upset. You know, reality is, is neutral. Uh, we, we have a choice in the way we respond to reality. But when your brain gets wired in the way our brains get wired, we have, we're not making a choice. The brain's using us. You're not using your brain at that point. And so how do you shift that? You've got to bring into awareness what's happening. You don't have to seek for happiness. You're happy already, though you don't know it. It's a part of your nature. What you have to seek for is what's blocking that experience of happiness that you're naturally, that's naturally available to you, but it's blocked. And the way you do it is you, you bring into awareness all that's blocking it, and then you'll see it. You'll see the blocks. But if you interfere with it, if you change it, if you judge it, if you try to make it into something else, if you try to push it away, if you try to take the negativity and, and defeat it with positivity, you're not going to see the way in which this pattern is ever present in you. And, and you're not going to get to that point where it begins to dissolve. Because what happens is you begin to see, see it for what it is. It's illusion. You know? and, and, and so when it comes up, you go, oh, there it is again. You know, one day, I'll give you an example of it. One day I was walking, this was years ago, but I was walking down the hallway coming to my office and everything was going swimmingly well in my life. You know, uh, I had every reason to be happy. Um, things were succeeding and, um, and my home life was working. And um, suddenly in the midst of that, I had this feeling of doom and gloom that descended on me. Like something like like there was something I was doing wrong, like there was something that was going to come up and take this all away from me uh, because I was unworthy of it. And I, I stopped right then and there and went and sat down and, and let that thing come up, let let that um, feeling of, of doom come up inside of me and really felt it. And it produced a great deal of of anxiety in me. And, and then that anxiety turned into sadness. And then as, as I, I just allowed it, what my intuition fed me was the emotional memory of the home I grew up in, where my, you know, mean stepfather, um, who was very abusive, had programmed into me that I was worthless. I mean, he programmed it. He, he was relentless about programming that into me. And I saw his face and I realized that um, that's where this was coming from. And just the reala realization of that softened it. It, took, it took, its, took much of its power away, and it gave me something to work with. And the thing that I ultimately settled on in working with it was forgiving him. And as I did, as I got there, as I got to that level of forgiveness with him, um, it stopped being a factor in my life. 
But how many wonderful days had I ruined over the course of my life with that doom running unconsciously as a pattern? Many, many, many days, but not anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. This is a, this is a process, right? I mean, this is not an end game. This is a continual lifelong process. I, and uh, you know what, honestly, I think it, the thought of, of feeling these emotions can be overwhelming for some people, the thought of it. Um, your book, The End of Stress, I, I know lays out very clearly how people can move forward with it. And where can we find this book? Where can we get a hold of it? It's very, it's, you know, it's a concept that a lot of us are new to, uh, myself included. So to find out more about you and to, to get a copy of this book, where do we look? You go to Amazon. It's there at Amazon. Um, and I would also highly recommend to people that they also get uh, Anthony DeMello's book that, that uh, I was the editor of. It's called Stop Fixing Yourself. And it relates to everything we're talking about here. And this four-step process that I outline is really clearly delineated in that book. It's also de- clearly delineated in, in my book, The End of Stress. You pick up both of those books. And the stress will also give you a good understanding of what's going on inside your brain and give you a good understanding of how it is that the brain can be changed so you're not wired that way anymore. Anthony DeMello will give you a, uh, a practical spirituality for, for really making that shift. Mm-hmm. Both of those books together um, will Powerful. take you far. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's such a, you know, so many of us are dealing with issues. Nobody has a perfect life. And I think, you know, we can take these steps to, to give us a healthier brain. And the way that the physiological part and the psychological part is woven here together to me is, is wonderful. Don, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It was a, very much a pleasure having you on the show. Mine too, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.